to the 94 Feet Report. I am your host, as always, Eric Spiropoulos. You can find me on Twitter, at Eric Spiros. Just to give you a little bit of background on myself and the show, this is our second episode. Uh, this previously was a podcast that I hosted on Blog Talk Radio called the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast. Um, transitioned to All In Sports Talk Radio Network, the 24-7 radio network. You know, if you really want to get your sports fixed 24-7, any time of the day, any sport you need your fix on, you got to be listening to All In Sports Talk Radio Network. It's a great network. we got great, great shows, um, and we're continuing to expand, so you got to be listening to All In Sports Talk. Anyways, a little bit more about, about myself so you can get to know me as we get along on this journey on All In Sports Talk and um, here on the 94 Feet Report. Right now, I'm a writer for The Dream Shake on SB Nation, uh, which is the Houston Rockets-affiliated blog on SB Nation. I'm also an analyst and insider for NBA Lead. Um, so I do those two things along with hosting the 94 Feet Report on All in Sports Talk Radio Network. This show, the 94 Feet Report, is brought to you by Fan Essentials. Um, Fan Essentials is a great company. Um, it's a monthly subscription service that provides you with a box of your favorite team's gear each month. It ships right to your door, uh, so you can pick a, your favorite team in the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, NHL, MLS, etc. Um, and each month you'll get a, a, a little a box, um, depending on which service you you purchase. You can get a, a small box or a big box, etc. Um, of unique gear. Uh, of your favorite team. So I've tried it out for the Rockets. They give you great gear that you really can't buy anywhere else. It's useful. It's fun. Um, it's a great gift for someone else. It's a great gift for yourself. Uh, so this show is brought to you by Fan Essentials. And when you are on Fan Essentials, if you use the promo code 94FEET, all caps, at checkout, you'll get 30% off. And actually, we will be doing a giveaway each week for a Fan Essentials subscription box. Um, so each week I will ask a question first here on the show live, and I'll do it in a minute. Um, I will ask the question live on air, uh, and I will also post the question on Twitter as well. And uh, if you whoever responds first with the correct answer on Twitter or, or email or whatever, um, we'll get a free month of, of Fan Essentials to test it out for your favorite team. So let's get to that giveaway. I'll repeat the. I'll mention the question now, and I will repeat it at the end of the show. Today, this week's giveaway for a free month of Fan Essentials is who is the player with the highest three-point percentage in a single season? Of course, that player has to qualify, so a minimum number of three-point attempts for a season. But who, which player has the highest three-point percentage in a single season all time in the NBA? Whoever gets that question right first. Um, responding to me on Twitter, which I will post to it after the show. Um, again, we have a week for this giveaway, or until someone gets the right answer. The player with the highest three-point percentage in a single season, whoever gets the right answer will get this week's giveaway, a free month of Fan Essentials, a service that you all really should be checking out for your favorite team's gear. All right. So if you were listening to our original, uh, our premiere episode last week, we kind of gave did a brief off-season review for every team in the NBA. You know, I gave like a couple minutes on each team, gave them a grade for their off-season, and that was that. But we are now into the swing of things. We still have time. You know, media days uh, for NBA teams were today or, or last week on Friday for a couple teams. Preseason basketball starting up this weekend. The NBA is back, ladies and gentlemen. And so I figured we still have a couple of weeks 
before preseason is really getting getting into the swing of things and the regular season is here. I mean, pretty much, I think, a month um, until the NBA regular season begins. I figured that each week we will do divisional previews. So each episode of the show, each week we will preview two divisions in the NBA. Today we'll be starting off with the Atlantic and the Pacific Division. Um, and so each week we'll be previewing those two divisions, going through in a more in-depth look at each team's offseason, um, where their team is now. Um, I will give them a projected record, of course projecting who finishes uh, in what order in each division. Um, and then I'll also be giving a fantasy stud and a fantasy bust. You know, I did mention in our first episode and that this show will have a little bit of a fantasy basketball flair to it, um, you know, to, to switch it up. You know, there are other NBA shows out there, but not all of them. I can't really think of many of them that give you both NBA analyst um, analysis from just a, a league perspective and then fantasy analysis as well. So I'm going to be doing that on the show. We do fantasy talk as well. So for each team, I'll do a fantasy stud and a fantasy bust, and I'll explain briefly why. Again, those terms stud and bust are, are pretty loose terms, but... So we'll be going through the Atlantic and the Pacific Division today, um, giving an order of where teams will finish and, um, you know, what they did in the offseason, where their team stands now, uh, etc. Also with the fantasy flair. And I will again repeat my grade for the offseason for each team. So we will be getting underway shortly uh, with those divisional previews. Just want to mention one more time that today's episode and all episodes of the 94 feet report are brought to you by fan essentials use promo code 94 feet at checkout okay let's start off with the atlantic division now i'm going to go in order of how the i think these teams will finish this season um these might not be popular opinions they might anyone and everyone is entitled to their opinion so you can always feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Eric Spirals with your opinion. If you disagree, you agree, etc. Let's start off with the Atlantic Division. Let's start off with the Boston Celtics, who I think will be winning the division, the Atlantic Division this season. I think I'll explain a little bit more about my projected records after I do kind of a synopsis for each team. But I think the Celtics will finish with a record of 53-29 and 29 this season. Uh, a modest improvement from their 48 wins last year. We all know the Celtics got Al Horford this offseason, right? You know, besides Kevin Durant, Al Horford, pretty much the premier, the, the, the second best free agent to change teams. Um, he was an all-star last year, and Al Horford is an all-star talent, and they're pairing him with Isaiah Thomas, who was also was an all-star. They got two all-stars on their team now. That was the knock on the Celtics. You know, they really didn't have those go-to players, but now they got Isaiah Thomas, they got Al Horford. But not only did they add Al Horford, which is Al Horford is not the reason why I'm so high on the Celtics. He's one of the big reasons why. Um, and if they didn't get him, I don't think they would win the division this year. But they, this is a young developing team that has a really good young coach in Brad Stevens. They drafted Jalen Brown in the draft for the third pick. A lot of people are saying that's a reach. And I do tend to agree that it is a reach. But I also think that Brown could definitely contribute this season and can turn into a solid rotational player. I know that's not what you want from the third pick, but previous third picks such as Otto Porter, you know, have basically turned into those rotational players. I think Brown can do that as well. Add, add Brown to a young developing nucleus with a good young developing coach. 
I think the Celtics will not make a huge jump this year. Maybe they make the jump the year after, but 53 wins this year I think is definitely reasonable for a team that won 48 last year and had a really good offseason. I gave the Celtics an A- minus for their offseason. Um, I think that their losses of, of Jared Sullinger and Evan Turner are not that huge, not that important for this team. You know, I just a projected starting five they could throw out. Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Al Horford, and Amir Johnson. Horford will obviously be splitting his minutes at power forward and center. Behind Johnson, they've got Olenek. Um, they have a really good bench as well. I mean, they got Marcus Smart coming off the bench, Kelly Olenek, as I just mentioned, Jalen Brown, as I just mentioned, um, Terry Rozier. Uh, Rozier is a, another young developing guard. Um, they've got a, a good enough bench as well, which... Uh, you know, is really quite different than another Atlantic Division team we'll be talking about in a little bit. Cough, cough, New York Knicks. <laughs> cough, cough. But we'll get to that in a little bit when I get to the New York Knicks. But I think the Celtics have a really good starting five that now has two all-stars in it. They have a good enough bench. They've got a young developing team with Brad Stevens, who I think is really one of the top five coaches in, in the NBA. And he's young and he's developing with this team. And they've got great chemistry from this team. They won 48 wins last year. I think with their offseason, they could easily jump up Four to five wins. I think it's going to be five. I think they win the Atlantic Division with a record of 53 and 29. Now let's get to those that fantasy aspect. I think the fantasy stud from this team, again, stud and bust are used pretty loosely. Um, but stud is a player I think is going to have a really good year um, or it could be an under-the-radar player that is worth taking a flyer on it in fantasy drafts. You know, for teams that are not very good, like the Brooklyn Nets, um, there are, the stud is not exactly going to be a stud in the in the uh, you know consensus use of the term, but I think the fantasy stud is going to be Al Horford. Um, they gave him that big deal. He was the big marquee free agent signing of the, of the offseason uh, for the Celtics and for the NBA besides Kevin Durant. Um, I think he's going to have more opportunities in Boston. Um, he's comfortable playing the power forward. He wants to play power forward. I think that makes him a little bit more comfortable. Um, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't fit in with the team, with this young, growing nucleus and this young, growing coach in, in Brad Stevens. I think Al Horford's going to have a really, really good season in fantasy. Um, yes, he just hit that age 30 peak, and you know, you know, you know, you see players hit 30 and. It's kind of downhill from there, but don't remember. Uh, but remember that Al Horford has actually missed several, you know, a couple seasons. He's had some injuries, so he's he's 30. But you know, in kind of, in playing terms, he's more of like a 28, really. Um, if he stays healthy this year, which he should, he stayed healthy last year and it played at an All-Star level. I think he could repeat that All-Star level and have a really good fantasy season. A fantasy bust that I have for the Boston Celtics is uh, Jay Crowder. Um, I was kind of torn deciding between a deciding between Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder, but I think that with the Celtics drafting Jalen Brown, they have a definitive backup small forward that will compete with Crowder and, and possibly take away some of his minutes. While the shooting guard position is kind of really set for Bradley, and they don't really have an established backup that they drafted this year or got in free agency. So I think Jalen Brown is more, is more competition for Jay Crowder than Avery Bradley will see at the shooting guard position, which is why. I believe Jay Crowder is the fantasy bust, mainly because he's going to see probably a reduction in minutes. And, you know, Jay Crowder is not a, a fantasy monster, but he does rely on having those 30 to, to 33 minutes a game. And that might go down. That probably will go down. That'll hurt his fantasy value for sure. So, well, I think I think Crowder can, re, can produce a similar season like last season, but I think it'll be less production because he has less minutes. So that's what I have for the Boston Celtics. 
projected record of 53 and 29 and first in the Atlantic Division for this season. Next up, second in the division, I have the Toronto Raptors, who uh, we all know won the division last year with 56 wins and made the Eastern Conference Finals and finally won some uh, playoff series and actually won two. I gave the Raptors a C for their offseason. I didn't I didn't like it at all. Um, I don't think that the loss of, of Bismack Biombo is huge, but compared to what they brought in, their loss of Biombo is greater than what they brought in. Um, they only added only added Jared Sullinger from the Celtics, so he'll be playing within the Atlantic Division again. And uh, the thing is that I mean, with Sully with uh, Jared Sullinger slated to start at power forward, um, but also Patrick Patterson is there. Um, the thing with after losing Biombo, their first round pick Jacob Podol, uh, Podol, um, they they drafted with the ninth pick, I believe. They put they are scheduling him and, and hoping that he will be ready to contribute this season in a backup center role. And we don't know if that can happen for him. Um, for a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals last year to be relying on a rookie backup center, Biombo was really good for them in the playoffs. Um, and obviously I understand why they didn't, you know, give him that contract that Orlando gave out. Um, but they're relying on a rookie backup center. And their only real significant offseason addition was Jared Sollinger. So... And the thing with this team is that, you know, you're probably saying, why why don't you predict them to win the division again? Well, I actually, I'll give you my projected record right now. I, I predict them to win 52 games this season, a four-game um, decrease from last season. That's because I'm a little bit worried about Kyle Lowry. Um, the thing is that for the Raptors to be as good as they were last season, 56 wins, Eastern Conference Finals trip, they need repeat seasons from both Lowry and DeRozan. They absolutely need that. They didn't. Have, they didn't bring anything really of significance in the offseason besides Jared Sellinger, which, which is counteracted by the loss of Biombo. Lowry has hit age 30. Last season, after the All Star break, I'll give it to you in fantasy perspectives. Uh, he wasn't even a top 70 player in fantasy. I'm pretty sure. So, Lowry really fell off last season, um, and we saw what happened to them in the playoffs. I mean, they were playing very poorly. DeRozan could not hit shots. They almost lost to the Heat in that second round. They beat them in seven games. Lowry and DeRozan need to not only produce similar seasons from last season, but but maintain that level for the whole season and the playoffs if the Raptors want to repeat from last season. It's going to be hard for them to win 56 games again, I think. I think a lot of things went well for them last season. They're a good team. That's why I think they're, they're still – I have them at 52 wins, which is very good. It's a very good record. But 56 wins I don't think is going to happen again. And I think that the Celtics really are ready to knock them off and make the Eastern Conference Finals. But that's predicting playoff time, and we'll do that as time goes on. But I think the Raptors, with their C of an offseason that I gave them, I think that if Lowry and DeRozan take even a slight step back, that's enough to, to decrease them four wins and have them win 52 games. And we'll see. I think they'll struggle to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, this team, for picking a fantasy stud, I was obviously choosing between Lowry and DeRozan, but as I said, I'm a little, I'm a lot more worried about Lowry than I am about DeRozan. Um, so I think that DeRozan can still be a fantasy stud. Um, again, anyone who's tuning in right now, stud and bust are used very loosely. So I'm not saying that DeRozan's going to be a stud for fantasy like James Harden or Russell Westbrook or Durant will be studs. I'm saying it's going to be their their best player in fantasy this season will be this person and their worst player or a player that will a really good player that will have a bad fantasy season. 
uh, is what I'm using for bust. So I have DeMar DeRozan as the fantasy stud from Toronto, and the bust, as you all probably can tell from now, is Kyle Lowry. I have Kyle Lowry as the fantasy bust for the Raptors. Again, for anyone tuning in, we are doing divisional previews of the NBA. We're starting off with the Atlantic and Pacific divisions today. I'll be going in order of how these I think these teams will be finishing, um, giving them projected records, talking about their offseason, talking about their where they're, the status of the team now, and stuff like that. We are currently in the Atlantic division. I started off with the Boston Celtics winning the division with a projected record of 53-29. and 29. Toronto Raptors second in the Atlantic division with a projected record of 52-30. and 30. And we get to the third team in the Atlanta division, the New York Knickerbockers. I gave the Knicks a C-plus for the offseason. I thought they were desperate to quote-unquote win now, which in my opinion is really also known as making the playoffs this season. They're not going to do any serious winning this year. And I'll tell you why in a couple a couple of reasons. I think they just made short-sighted moves now. Uh, they really will only focus on this season, not focus on the development of, of building around Kristaps Porzingis. We all know what they did. They traded for Derrick Rose. They signed Joakim Noah to a four-year deal, even though he's 31 years old. And it's, uh, both of those players have had injury problems. They signed Courtney Lee. Um, and they also signed Brandon Jennings for the significant moves of their offseason. The thing with this Knicks team is that their bench is horrible. They have a horrible bench. A couple of players that will be contributing that are coming from their bench. Backup shooting guard Sasha Vujicic should not be in the NBA anymore, let alone being a backup at any position. And yet he's the backup shooting guard. Backup center, I believe they're, they have a, a they have a Plumlee brother as their third string, and they have a Hernan Gomez uh, rookie and not the good one in Denver. We're talking about his brother, I'm pretty sure. Um, their backup center is a mess. When when and if Yoki Noah gets hurt, that's going to be a disaster. If they move Kristaps to, to center, then their backup power forward, Kylo Quinn, who I think is a solid player, nothing special, but is, is a competent backup in, this, in, in the NBA, He'll, Kylo Quinn will be starting. Um... So, again, the Knicks have a horrible bench. Shasta Vujicic coming off the bench. They don't even have a backup center, really. Uh, Lance Thomas is their backup small forward. I mean, and, and Brennan Jennings is a solid player, but he has injury concerns as well. Der- and he's already backing up a player in Derrick Rose that already has injury concerns. This team's bench is so bad that if they have any kind of significant injuries, especially to Rose and Joe Noah, they're going to be decimated playing that bench if they have to play the bench players extended minutes oh it could get ugly in new york the team will certainly be in trouble if if the injuries strike especially to noah and rose the thing about the knicks though they only won 32 wins last they only had 32 wins last season um they brought in jeff hornacek in co- as coach, I think that's the best move they made this offseason. He is so much better than Kurt Rambis. I think Hornacek himself adds two to three wins to this Knicks team. And just by the strength of their starting lineup, I mean, they do have a significantly better starting lineup than last season. And I, I did talk about how bad their bench is, but their starting lineup is a lot better than last season, which is why I'm picking the Knicks to win 39 games this season. I think they'll go 39 and 43 and be third in the Atlantic Division. A, a, a good starting lineup, a horrible bench. A better coach. That's the summary of the New York Knicks for you right there. I think their fantasy stud 
got to go with Kristaps Porzingis. He had a, a really good season last year in his rookie season. He's added some muscle this offseason. He looks like he's developing more. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the pieces, such a, such as uh, Derek Rose and Joakim Noah, fit around him. But I think that Kristaps Porzingis will be the fantasy stud for the Knicks, and I think the bust will be Derek Rose. I think he'll miss 10 to 15 games. Last year when he played, people thought he was returning back to his level, of his MVP level, but he was really a, a terrible player. If you look at real plus minus, uh, which is an advanced statistic, he was one of the worst players in the NBA. If you're looking at that statistic, I think it'll be a fantasy bust. So you had New York Knicks record of 39 and 43, third in the Atlantic Division. Fourth in the Atlantic Division, the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes, trust the process, as Joel Embiid will continuously remind you. I have here in my notes, my first reason for the 76ers being fourth is Embiid with six exclamation points. If you listened to our first episode last week, you know how excited I am to watch Joel Embiid this season. I have been high on him. I have been defending him ever since he was drafted. I've been defending Sam Hinkie ever since he took over as GM um, and started off and started the the process, quote unquote. I've been I've been defending the process ever since it's been implemented, and certainly have been defending the process ever since people Hinkie resigned in that 13-page masterpiece of a resignation letter. Um, I think that the process will end up being very good for the 76ers. As we all know, they landed the first-round pick in the draft, and they they drafted their franchise player in Ben Simmons, adding him to a returning Embiid and one of of Nerland's Noel, Joel Okafor. We all know that one of them is getting traded, and with Noel speaking his mind in public today or over the weekend, it looks like uh, Nerland's Noel will be out of town in Philadelphia. Um, But even then, adding Embiid and Simmons to one of those two young big men is going to make for a nice young uh, young nucleus. I mean, I know, you know, NBA 2K17 is out, um, and I've been doing some simulation seasons, you know, simulating years in advance, and I'm telling you every single simulation, the 76ers turn out to be a, a consistent threat in the Eastern Conference in, in two to three years, and I think that realistically could happen. But also they made some... They made some okay signings this offseason. I gave the 76ers a B-plus for the offseason, mainly because they got their franchise player in Simmons, and they got Embiid back, and they brought uh, Dario Saric um, and Sergio Rodriguez to the NBA. The signings of Gerald Henderson and, and Jared Bayless are okay. Nothing special. They're pretty reasonable contracts. I mean, Bayless was pretty much a better player than Derrick Rose last season. Um and Gerald Henderson is just a nice veteran presence, I guess, for the young team. They're okay signings. Nothing really to talk about or, or get excited about from Philadelphia's perspective. But uh, the real, the big news in Philadelphia is that Joel Embiid is here and also some guy named Ben Simmons. They say he's the number one pick. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Ben Simmons, the number one pick. Their franchise player is here, and he's going to be linking up with Joel Embiid and Potentially Noel, Noel and Joel Okafor, but probably only one of those two big men. And the thing is that, um, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day, talking uh, who happens to be a Boston Celtics fan, and I was, you know, going through my notes for this podcast and, uh, oh, for this radio show, excuse me. Sorry, I'm still used to hosting a podcast. I still call it that, but the, this 94 Free Report basketball radio show here on All in Sports Talk Radio Network. I was talking to him, I was talking about, you know, they're most likely going to be trading at uh, Nerlens Noel, as we, as we all have heard. 
Um, and, uh, you know, he was saying that the Celtics should, should trade for him to pair him up with Al Horford. And, you know, we were going through some theoretical trade possibilities and we were throwing out names like Avery Bradley and, and Kelly Olynyk as a possible combination to trade for Noel. And if you think about it, the 76ers obviously don't need Embiid, Noel, and Okafor, right? It's redundant. They don't need those three guys at center. Um, and that, that's what everyone was making fun of Sam Hinkie for. Why are you drafting a center year after year? Well, if Hinkie was still around, I guarantee you he'd be on the on the phones right now looking to trade Okafor or Noel, and he would probably get a decent return. If, if Cole Angelo, who is taking over as, as GM of President of Basketball Operations, if he can get a return such as Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek, and you add that to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and jo- Joel Okafor, Jaleel Okafor, have I, been, have I been calling him Joel Okafor this whole time? Man, that's what happens when you host a radio show at 10 p.m. on a Monday, right? And we're listening to a little bit too much presidential debates, right? Anyways, if you add a return in a trade for Noel, such as Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk to Jaleel Okafor, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid, you got a really good team in in a, in a, in a year or two. Um, so I think that the 76ers will definitely be exploring a trade for one of their big men, or specifically Okafor and Noel, and they're going to keep Embiid and, and Simmons as their two foundational blocks for this team, and they'll be signing some veterans along the way, and I think in two to three years, the 76ers will be pretty good. For this season, I'm going to project them to win 20 games. So they're going to go 20-62, and 62, which is a big game. It's double the wins they won last season. They only lost. They only won 10 last season. But I think that they got Simmons, who could help out. They got Embiid, who can help out. Henderson and Bayless can can help out, I guess, a little bit. Uh, Dario Sarge and, and Sergio Rodriguez can help out as well. They had a B-plus offseason. I don't see why they can't improve by anywhere from 8 to 10 games. But I'm being pretty optimistic. I'm hoping that Embiid isn't rusty and can show off that potential of being such a high draft pick. I hope, I'm just really hoping that Simmons can turn out to be worth the number one pick. I think I'll struggle at times, and I'll get to him in our fantasy segment. But uh, uh, I think that um, that this team will win double the games, 20 wins. For fantasy stud and bust, I think that the fantasy stud, it's hard. Again, if you're just tuning in, these terms stud and bust are used very loosely. We're not talking about a stud like a James Harden, Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook stud. We're talking about the best player, I think, or a player who will have a really good season who's underrated for this team. I think the stud will be either Nerlens Noel or Jaleel Okafor, actually, whichever one of those big men stays in Philadelphia. Embiid, we know, is going to get a minutes restriction, so whichever one stays, it will be will be the starting center. We'll be getting comfortably 25 to 30 minutes a night. We all know Noel can contribute in steals and blocks, which is very valuable for a big man. He's also a pretty good rebounder. His free throw percentage is, it hurts you, but you're going to have to punt that category with a lot of big men in the league, so it's not really a big deal, especially in head-to-head leagues when you can comfortably punt that. Uh, I think that the, the stud will be one, the big man who stays. I, I could easily see it being Noel, actually. Um, I think they really, deep down, they want to trade Okafor more, rather than Noel, but with Noel publicly criticizing the team situation, I think Noel will be the one to go, and Okafor could benefit from being the starting center. He's not a good rebounder, and he's not a good shot blocker, but he does put up high points for a center. I think he is averaging 18 a game last season, and his percentages are pretty good as well for a big man. The fantasy bust will be Ben Simmons. Last year, we were spoiled with a rookie class 
particularly Carl Anthony Towns and, and Christoph Porzingis, that, was, that, were, that were significant fantasy contributors the whole season. I think Ben Simmons will struggle in the early going and struggle in his rookie year. He'll show that flash and promise of a number one pick, but he'll struggle, and he won't contribute in fantasy like you want him to. I mean, I did a mock draft the other day on ESPN, and Ben Simmons was picked in the second round. He was picked in the top 20 picks in fantasy. He's not going to even probably crack the top 100 in fantasy. Do not pick Ben Simmons in the first round or the second round. Don't even pick him in the top six rounds, really. If you want to go crazy and pick him in the seventh round, go ahead. It's not going to be a, a good move for your team. Simmons will struggle. He's a rookie. Rookie struggle, especially in fantasy. They're most of the time, they're not good fantasy contributors in their rookie season. So don't go jumping ahead at Ben Simmons. Um, I know we've been spending a lot of time on the 76ers, but I'm very passionate about the process. I'm very passionate about defending Sam Hingy, and y'all, as you all know, I'm very passionate about Joel Embiid. It's a funny story. I actually ordered um, last week, and it should be coming soon, uh, a Joel Embiid process shirt. Um, it's similar to the Barack Obama's Yes We Can with the kind of painted mural, red, white, and blue of Obama's face. It's the painting painted mural of uh, Embiid's face in those colors and underneath it says process. And I'm really excited. I was deciding between that and a, and a hinky died for our sins shirt. And I might have to get both. Honestly, I'm that passionate about the process and, and hinky and Embiid and, and the 76ers. Uh, so that's why I'm spending a lot of time on the 76ers. So again, just to reiterate, I feel like this, I think the 76ers will win 20 games and they'll be fourth in the Atlanta division with the stud being, one of Nolan's neurology, Leo Okafor, and the bus being Ben Simmons. To wrap up with the Atlantic Division, halfway through this episode of the 94 Feet Report, brought to you by Fan Essentials on All In Sports Talk Radio Network. The Nets, I gave them a B offseason, but I think they're going to be worse than last season. So just because they gave them a, a good grade for the offseason does not mean that's going to reflect in this year's in this season. A couple of notes I have down for the for the Brooklyn Nets. I said it in last week's episode when we did brief um, a minute or two summaries of the Nets offseason. This actually happened at the end of last season, but Billy King is gone. Again, I repeat, Billy King is gone. Billy King is not the Brooklyn Nets jam anymore. Nets fans should still, to this day, be throwing parades, celebrating this Celebrating the significant achievement that Billy King is gone and not GM anymore. It is not a drastic statement to say Billy King is the worst GM of all time in any sport, but especially the NBA. This guy traded away their entire future at a desperation move for aging veterans Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. The Celtics still own their pick next season. I think they can swap it, and they obviously are going to. I think even... The year after, I think the uh, Atlanta Hawks control the Nets pick. And all for what? One or two playoff series wins? That's what the Nets got from that trade of for Pierce and Garnett. And by the way, Kevin Garnett retiring. Legendary player. Great competitor. He certainly is, I think... Fighting with Dirk Nowitzki for that fourth spot on my Mount Rushmore power forwards all time. But we can get to that in another episode. So, Billy King is gone. The Nets fans should still be throwing a parade to this day celebrating that fact. 
They brought in Sean Marks from the Spurs as GM, Kenny Atkinson as, as the new head coach. And the Nets had a solid offseason. I mean, they signed Jeremy Lin, they signed Trevor Brooker. They're good signings. They're good value signings at that at that at their contracts. Um, Lynn will get some seats. Lynn will get some people in the seats uh, and sell some jerseys. Trevor Brooker's a no-nonsense, hard-working power forward. The problem with the Nets is that they don't really have that plan for the future. You know, the 76ers have collected a lot of draft picks. Um, you know, teams or they have those young, they have those young studs: Embiid, uh, Ben Simmons, Noel Okafor, Dario Saric. Maybe if he turns out as good as people are saying he should be. The, the Nets don't have that, do they? They have, as we said, Billy King traded away all their draft picks. They were lucky to trade. They were they were lucky to trade um, uh, Thaddeus Young for a first round pick for the Pacers this year, and I believe they drafted Isaiah Whitehead, I believe, um, or Chris Levert. Um, but those are the two guys they drafted. They don't have they don't have any picks for their future, really. They don't have any young studs like the 76ers. The Nets are stuck in a situation. You know, what do you do as Sean Marks? You know, if you're Sean Marks, you know, if if you're given a theory, like a, a hypothetical situation, like in a dream that you became the Brooklyn Nets GM, what do you do with that team? I mean, it's a really good question. I think Marks made some good moves. They had they were trading trade away that as Young makes sense. They're rebuilding. Obviously, that Thaddeus Young's in his prime. Let him go to a contend not a contending for a championship, but a playoff team, and they did for the Pacers. They got a first-round pick. They got first-round talent this year in, in Levert, I believe, or Whitehead. But either way, they got first-round talent this season. And uh, Sean Marks made some solid signings. I mean, Lynn and Book are two veterans that will help out this team. Um, but again, they're going to be worse than last season. They don't really have a good plan for the uh, for the next couple of years, and it's really just sad, sad days for the Brooklyn Nets and their fans. But they can still be throwing parades and be happy that Billy King is gone. So they still have that. Um, <laughs> I think that the Nets will win 17 games this season. Uh, I believe they won 21 last season. I think they'll drop down to 17. They'll go 17 and 65 and comfortably be the worst team uh, in the NBA this season. Obviously, that makes them the worst in the Atlanta division. A fantasy stud. This is probably the, the best kind of prospect that the Nets have. Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I think he'll be. I think he's going to have an under the radar kind of good fantasy season and good season overall in the NBA. Um, obviously, the, an obvious that I could have picked is Brook Lopez. Um, I was close to picking Jeremy Lin because I think Jeremy Lin now he's going to get a starting role, 30 minutes a night. I think he can return to like Lin's sanity kind of numbers, like 14 and six. Um. With the ball in his hands, he's gonna Jeremy Lin's gonna have a really good season. But I want to shine some light on Rondé Hollis Jefferson. This guy's a really good defender. He gets you good steal numbers. He gets you good block numbers from a small forward. He's not a good shooter. Um, he hurts you in, some, in in the shooting percentages. If you're punting those in a head-to-head league, you can definitely look to, to add Hollis Jefferson. He's great, great source of steals and blocks, and he's a good rebounding uh, wing. So I think Hollis Jefferson will have a, a good. A good fantasy season and a good second season in the NBA. I couldn't pick a bust for this for the Nets. I mean, yes, you could point at Lopez and say, "Yo, he's gonna get an injury," which a lot of you know non-passionate NBA fans will point out. Um, but Brook Lopez has not been injured for the past two seasons. I think he played 72 games last season, and and the nine and the 10 games he missed, they just shut him down for the, for the remainder of the season when they were really out of it. 
Um, I don't think Jeremy Lin's going to be a bust. You kind of know what you're getting with him. I think there's really only room to grow with Lin because he's going to get more minutes and he'll have the ball in his hand running pick and rolls. Um, and he's familiar with Kenny Atkinson, the new head coach. I think Lin is, and got, has nowhere to go but up. Um, Trevor Booker really isn't fantasy relevant. Their rookies aren't going to contribute significant fantasy-wise. There really is no bust for this team, I guess. Um, maybe you can dis- you might be disappointed with Brook Lopez's production, but I think he's going to have another solid year of, of last season. He's not a great rebounding big man, but he gets you good blocks, good points, good percentages. You know what you're getting with Brook Lopez. You pretty much know what you're getting with the rest of the team. That's why I really couldn't pick, pick a bust. But I have Hollis Jefferson, Jefferson, Rondé Hollis Jefferson for the fantasy stud for the Nets. There really is no bust and a projected record of 17 and 65, which um, is fifth in the Atlantic and I also think will be fifth uh, worst in the Eastern Conference. So before we um, get to the Pacific Division, I just want to remind you once again that this show, the 94 Feet Report, is brought to you by Fan Essentials. Um, if you use promo code 94FEET at checkout, you get 30% off. And this week's giveaway for a free month of Fan Essentials is, the question is this, which player has the highest three-point percentage in a single season? These players, the player has to obviously qualify, so have a minimum number of three-point attempts. Which player... And uh, you get a special bonus point if you get the year and the percentage. But which player has the highest three-point percentage in single season in NBA history? Again, I'll, I'll post the, tw- the question on Twitter, and whoever responds first with the correct answer will get a free month of fan essentials. So now here we are at the Pacific Division. Let's start off with the Golden State Warriors. I gave it, obviously, as everyone else has given them, an A-plus for the offseason Let's speed through the Warriors. I don't really want to talk about the Warriors. It frustrates me. It makes me angry to talk about the Warriors. The notes I have down for the Warriors. First point, Kevin Durant, period. They added a former MVP. As Sports Illustrated put him, the second best player in the league. They just added Kevin Durant, who, as Sports Illustrated put him as the second best player in the NBA. And the Warriors just added him to a team that has Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. And was able to sign Zaza Pachulia and David West. Are you kidding me? Now, I'll just come out and say, I think the Warriors are going to win 68 games. As Draymond Green said today in Media Day, there's no point. He doesn't even want to win 74 or 75 games. The key is to win that championship. And they know. They won 73 wins last year. They broke the record. They don't need to do it again. They don't need to set a new record, blah, blah, blah. The Warriors know it. The regular season, they'll they'll realize, like the Spurs have and a lot of other teams are doing, like the Cavs with LeBron, the regular season is just to get the chemistry down, get the playbook right, etc. Win games, obviously, to improve your seeding. But the Warriors are going to be comfortable in the regular season. They're going to be resting their stars, playing their moderate minutes. I think that's why they're going to win 68 games, which is still incredible. They might even win 70 without even trying to win 70, but they're going to win 68, I think, or upper 60s, low 70s for sure. A lot of people are questioning the, the loss of their of their kind of of their depth. You know, when they signed Durant, they had to get rid of Spates, they got rid of Barnes, they got rid of Bogut, Barbosa. But the thing is that, as I mentioned, they still signed Zaza Pachulia to start at center, who had a really good season last year. Not all star season, not not all star season, but he was up there in all star voting. Um, 
and that kind of mitigates the loss of Bogut a little bit. And they got David West, who can still contribute off the bench. And don't forget, the bench is still solid. They still got Sean Livingston, a backup point guard. They got Andre Godala there. They brought in David West. Ian Clark can contribute. Patrick McCall, some of their young guys are going to contribute. Their bench is still solid. I don't want to hear this argument that the Warriors have no bench. We looked at it this today. The Knicks have no bench, all right? You ever want to say, if someone tells you the Warriors have no bench, you better say, no, the Knicks have no bench. And the Knicks need their bench more than the Warriors do because the Warriors can stagger their minutes. They start off the game with all those four, Curry, Thompson, Durant, and Green. But maybe Thompson and Durant leave after nine minutes in the first Curry and Green finish the rest of the quarter, and the second quarter starts, Durant goes in. Or Durant and Thompson go in. Or Thompson just goes in. And then Curry and Green, whoever was not playing, rejoins them. They can stagger the minutes so that they've always got one of those star players playing with the bench players, which still makes them a better team than probably 25 other teams in the NBA. Um, the thing, the interesting thing about the Warriors is that they're going to have to... Um, Someone's going to have to take a step back. I don't think it's going to be Curry, and I don't think Draymond Green needs those offensive shots to get him focused into the game and get him pumped up and, and provide the energy. I think it's going to be Clay Thompson who's going to be taking that lesser role. He said all, all season he's not sacrificing shit. Excuse me for my language. That is his quote. He's not sacrificing anything, he says. I think, Clay, you're going to be sacrificing something, and you'll learn that if you want this team to win and win a championship and for years to come, you're going to be sacrificing sorry, something. Sorry, Clay. That's also why, speaking of that, I have Clay Thompson as the fantasy bust. People are picking him, you know, second round. I don't think that's his, where his value is this season. He's going to, I think he's going to take the step back, take a lesser role. I think the fantasy stud is going to be Durant. Um, I don't, I think that, Durant moving to Golden State allows Russell Westbrook and James Harden to pass him in fantasy rankings overall. But I think that Durant will have increased efficiency, getting efficiency, getting more open shots. I think he'll have a great season. So the Warriors have winning the Western Conference, winning the Pacific Division with a predicted record of 68 and 14, with the fantasy stud being Kevin Durant and the bust being Clay Thompson. The Los Angeles Clippers, I give them a C for the offseason. I'll just come out and say I think they're going to be second in the Pacific Division, obviously, with a projected record of 56 and 26. And by the way, I'd like to mention, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I am an analyst and insider for NBA Lead. And you can check it us check us out on Twitter or our website. Um, it's a really a great media company that we're, we're, we're launching a new website and uh, a lot of new coverage. And we're getting a lot of analysts and insiders. We're doing our team previews now, and they're, they're kind of two, two to three minute videos previews of each team and I, I had been I have done the Clippers team preview I'll be doing the Rockets team preview and a couple of other team previews so when those come out you can check my Twitter I'll be posting them you can check the NBA lead Twitter etc I just thought I mentioned it uh, we're talking about the Clippers I thought the Clippers had a, a pretty bad offseason I gave them a C obviously I think they overpaid for their bench players uh, they overpaid Jamal Crawford overpaid Austin Rivers who knows that's be, if that's because Doc Rivers is his dad um, their their signings were just veterans who are pretty much close to being finished. Uh, Raymond Felton, Brandon Bass, and, Marie, and Mo Spates, or Maurice Spates, or Mo Buckets, as he said today in Media Day. Um, the thing with the Clippers is that the health is key. We all know Blake Griffin suffered from the quad injury and then the the drama of punching the the team assistant in the in the again breaking his hand. I think Blake missed around 50 games last season. So when I say that health is key, um, 
uh, I think that uh, the health is key. That has to relate to Blake Griffin specifically. Obviously, Chris Paul got hurt in the playoffs, but Chris Paul played, I think, over 70 games last season, and he stayed pretty healthy in the regular season. So another question is, who's their small forward? We know that um, Paul Pierce will be retiring this year. This will be a retirement tour for uh, Paul Pierce. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen uh, at small forward, are they going to play him more to kind of give him that sentimental feeling like the Lakers did? I don't think so because the Clippers are actually competing here and the Lakers were a joke last season. But it is will be interesting because they have Luke Richard Mute, who played a lot of power forward when Griffin was out. Um, but they also got Wes Johnson, who they re-signed again in the offseason, and they got Pierce there. So those three will be competing for small forward. Definitely the weakness of the team. Um I mentioned that Pierce retirement tour. They have a really good starting lineup. Chris Paul, J.J. Redick, whoever those th- one of those three starts a small forward, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan is their starting lineup. I think that's really good. Obviously, I think the Clippers. I think the Clippers could be second in the wet in the West. I think I do think that the Spurs will edge them out by a win or two. But I think the Clippers were serious threats to the Spurs for that number two seed in the West and could hopefully maybe I'm not not say hopefully I'm not rooting for the Clippers actually, but just for their fan base for Chris Paul. You know, they can hopefully make the Western Conference Finals this season. So for their fantasy stud, I'm picking Blake Griffin. I think that people are kind of sleeping on him because I got injured and was surrounded by that drama. But I'm, I, if he stays healthy, and that's kind of a big if. He had, he's had some serious injury concerns. Um, but if he stays healthy, um, Blake Griffin put up monster numbers. I think he went 21-8-4 last season. He doesn't get you blocks as a big man. And not really great at steals, but his percentages are good. He gets you rebounds. He gets you assists from power forward. He gets you four assists from the power forward position, and he gets you points. I think Blake Griffin could be a fantasy stud this season if he stays healthy and away from drama. The bust, kind of like the Nets. I really couldn't pick anyone. I don't really think there is a bust on this team, um, mainly because you know what you're getting from each player that you draft in fantasy. You're not drafting any of their small forwards from fantasy perspective. J.J. Redick, you know what you're getting. You're getting points and threes and good percentages. Chris Paul, you know what you're getting. You're getting elite assists, great steals, good percentages. DeAndre Jordan, you know what you're getting. Great rebounding, moderate points, great blocks, um, but really bad percentages, especially free throw percentage. So you really know what you're getting from everyone else. That's why I can't really put a bust for the Clippers. So the stud is Blake Griffin. The bust is really there. Really is no fantasy bust, and the projected record of 56 and 26 um, for the Clippers, finishing second in the Pacific. Now, next in the Pacific, I have the Sacramento Kings. I gave the Kings a C plus for the offseason. Um, and I think that. Let's just, let's just go over the offseason before I give the projected record. So they brought in Dave Yeager as head coach, and I think that's a significant upgrade of, over George Carl that they had last season. Um, but I think they had a bad draft. They traded down, and they ended up getting tra- uh, drafting Georgius Papayanis, even though I am uh, Greek. really don't understand the drafting there. Even DeMarcus Cousins tweeted, Lord, give me the strength. We all know what he was talking about. Not some hot sculpting class. Get out of here, DeMarcus. We all know what you were talking about. And they got Scal... Labarizi, I don't know how to say his last name, but they got Scowls, another center. To add that to DeMarcus Cousins and Costa Kufus and Willie Cauley-Stein, I don't know what the front office of the Sacramento Kings are doing, but then again, we ask ourselves that question every year. Another thing is that Rajon Rondo's gone, and the thing is that he put up good numbers last season, but he was horrible. He was not trying on defense. He had bad advanced statistics um, or analytical statistics um, on the team. 
So is that really an addition by subtraction? I think it is. Um, you know, when we get to the Houston Rockets, uh, oh, are my favorite team and I cover them for the Dream Shake, I will mention that again, addition by subtraction in the form of Dwight Howard, but I think that also applies here with the loss of Rajan Rondo. They actually gained something from Rondo leaving. Their free agency additions were nothing to write home about. Aaron Aflalo, Garrett Temple, uh, Anthony Tolliver, and Matt Barnes are their significant ones. They're all mediocre players. Uh, the Lawson signing is, is a good low-risk signing. Um, I think that he could, he should hopefully, and for his sake, win the starting job while Darren Collison is inevitably suspended for his domestic violence abuse uh, suspension violation. Um, so Lawson is a good lowest signing, and you never know. I mean, it's a toxic culture there, but maybe he can revitalize himself there. Uh, so I think that the Kings, with their C-plus mediocre offseason, they brought in a better coach, but brought in worse players, I guess, except for Rondo leaving. They're going to finish with a projected record of 35-47, and 47, I think. Um, that's actually a two-win improvement, but I think that Dave Yeager is that two-win improvement from George Carl, not the actual team getting better. I think the stud is, well, it's pretty obvious. DeMarcus Cousins is their fantasy stud. I mean, that's, duh. Like, that's a, DeMarcus Cousins is the fantasy stud in Sacramento. And I, I couldn't even pick an under-the-radar player that could have a really good season because there really is none. For the bust, I was having trouble with the bust, actually, because I thought it's kind of like a similar situation with the, with the Clippers. Like, you kind of know what you're getting, um... With their with the players that you're drafting, I think Rudy Gay is 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 kind of on that danger zone. Like, there are a lot of trade rumors around him. If he gets traded and he goes to a worse situation, he's probably gonna have a worse season. Um, but he might stay and he might have a better season under Dave Yeager now that Rondo's gone and Gay might have the ball in his hands more. So I'm gonna put him as the bust tentatively. But I saw on Twitter today like Gay received some kind of special treatment, medical treatment over the summer. And he says the, it's the he's the best. It's the best he's ever felt. Um, for the past like four or five years so he might actually end up being a stud and i'll look stupid but for now i'm penciling in, penciling in gay for the bust um just because of his trade concerns let's move on to the suns we're wrapping up here on the 94 feet report again if you're just tuning in we're turning we're doing divisional previews we're doing we already covered the atlantic division and now we're covering the pacific division going in order so i think the suns will finish at the fourth at the fourth team in the, in the pacific i gave them a b plus for the offseason and i think they'll have a projected record of 30 and 52 um and here's why they had a good free agency and a pretty good draft i think they added two good veterans in jared dudley and leandro barbosa and they added two young players in dragon bender and marquise chris that have potential um, and dudley's kind of that holdover at power forward until chris or bender is ready to take over a power forward the thing is that they're adding Eric Bledsoe and Brandon Knight back. And this creates a dilemma. Like, yes, it add, that's adding a lot of talent back, especially in Bledsoe's case. But what do they do with the Bledsoe, Knight, and Booker combination or rotation there? Booker's natural position is shooting guard. Everyone seemed to fall in love with him last season when he took over a post-All-Star break and was averaging over 17 points a game with Bledsoe and Knight out. But with Bledsoe and Knight back, I think that they're – their front office and coaching staff was talking about starting Booker at small forward with a, a starting five of Bledsoe, Knight, Booker, Dudley, and Chandler. That's not good. That's not going to happen. Nope, not going to work out. <laughs> and uh, Devin Booker's not built to handle small forwards. He's not a good defender by any means. In fact, he was one of the worst defending shooting guards last season. He looks like he bulked up, but he's not going to. You don't want him handling the small forwards defensively. And that just 
how are you going to stop anyone with a knight and and Booker on the court at the same time? I don't think it's going to happen. I think they should really explore trade options for Brandon Knight um, and start Bledsoe, Booker, T.J. Warren, Dudley, and Chandler. Um, I'm also not sold on Watson as a head coach. Um, he wasn't great last season. They're talking. They're saying all the right things about him getting the team to, to listen to him and stuff. And he, and he is a young coach that is developing with a young team similar to Brad Stevens in Boston. But I'm not sold on him as a coach. I think they could have really they they signed him back as for as head coach before the other marquee names like a, a Frank Vogel or Dave Yeager or et cetera were, were were kind of on the market. So. Projected record of 13-52. I think the stutter will be Bledsoe. When Bledsoe's healthy, he is a legit fantasy stud. Uh, second round, third round option. Um, so I think if he stays healthy, and hopefully he does for his career's sake and for Suns fans, he stays healthy and he becomes a stud again. The bust I have is Brandon Knight, mainly because I think that if he's not traded, which I think he might be, there's a good chance. I think that after 15 to 20 games, they're going to realize that this Bledsoe, Knight, Booker starting rotation is not working out, and they're going to move Knight to the sixth man and move him to the bench, which means less minutes. Booker is the future. Knight is nothing, I guess. Is he the president? I don't even know because Bledsoe and Booker are almost the president now. Um, so I think Knight, either he takes a minute, a serious minutes reduction or gets traded, he's going to be the fantasy bust. And finally, the LA Lakers. I gave them a B for the offseason. I think they're going to have a record of 22 and 60 and be the second worst team in the NBA behind ahead of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and a couple of notes I have written down, written down is that I like the Luol Dang signing. It, it, it's good, not great. I mean, it does kind of stagnate the, the growth of, of Brandon Ingram. Um, but I think that he's a nice veteran that can contribute. Uh, Luke Walton is a better coach than Byron Scott. We, we've all heard the stories about how Byron Scott was holding back D'Angelo Russell. Um, but the question is, how good is Walton? There are some serious like concerns, I think, not only from me, but from other people who are serious doubters. I mean, could I have coached the Warriors? Maybe not to undefeated start, but could I have coached them to a really good record? Mm, I don't know. I think so. That team was that good. Um, okay, we got to talk about this Timothy Mozgov signing. Four years, $64 million. In the first hour of free agency, the Lakers outbid themselves the Lakers were the only ones bidding for Mozgov's services and they gave him that contract I don't know what they're thinking he's 30 years old bad season last year even when he two years ago and he was pretty good in that Cavs run to the finals when they lost he wasn't that good for that contract anyways the Lakers will be more competitive but they're still going to be terrible that's the pretty much the summary of the Lakers offseason and their, where their team is right now so projected record of 22 and 60 I think their stud will be D'Angelo Russell. I think he's going to grow under Walton. He's not limited by Byron Scott and his stupidity. I think D'Angelo Russell will grow and um, be a fantasy stud for the Lakers. And the bust, I think, will be Luol Dang, actually. And, you know, you could actually go with Ingram, too, if, if people are picking Ingram similar to where they're picking Ben Simmons in the first or second round in fantasy drafts, which I haven't seen yet in my mock drafts. But do not rely on Ingram contributing and do not rely on Dang holding up his position the whole season. I think that he'll, his minutes will be cut down by Ingram as the season goes on and the Lakers fall farther and farther from anything close to playoff competition. So I think that Dang and Ingram are the two busts for the Lakers. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the 94 Feet Report. We just went over the Atlantic and the Pacific Division, um, previewing them. Just to summarize, I have the Boston Celtics winning the Atlantic with a record of 53 and 29. In second place, the Raptors with a record of 50, 52 and 30. 
In third place, the Knicks with a record of 39 and 43. In fourth place, the 76ers with a record of 20 and 62. In fifth place in the Atlantic, the, re- the Nets with a record of 17 and 65. In the Pacific Division, I have the Warriors in first with a record of 68 and 14. In second, the Clippers with a record of 56 and 26. In third, the Sacramento Kings with a record of 35 and 47. In fourth, the Phoenix Suns with a record of 30 and 52. And in fifth, the Los Angeles Lakers with a record of 22 and 60. Uh, Next week, we'll be doing uh, the Southeast and the Southwest Divisional Previews. Again, in this structure, reviewing their offseason, giving projected records, fantasy studs, and fantasy busts. And then we'll um, be doing the other divisions as the as the season as the weeks go on. Excuse me. So just a reminder, I am Eric Sparopoulos, your host as always for the 94 Feet Report. We'll be starting to get some guests on the show to preview some of these teams. I'll get fans and analysts of those teams to preview the preview those respective teams in in, in those divisions. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. Once again, this show is brought to you by Fan Essentials. A great subscription service that gives you a monthly box of your favorite team's gear stripped right to your door. If you use promo code 94FEET at checkout, that's all caps, 94FEET, not the, the number 9, the number 4, FEET in caps, it's 30% off your first purchase. And this week and every week we'll be doing a giveaway. So how this works is that I will be at first... Uh, giving the question out on the show live each week in the beginning and the end and the middle of the episode like I've done today. You can start thinking about it, start researching the answer, etc. And then I will post the question to Twitter when the episode is over. And whoever responds first with the correct answer gets the free month of, of Fan Essentials. So if you respond to me on Twitter with a direct message or you tweet or reply to my tweet, you'll get the free month of, of Fan Essentials. This week's giveaway question is this. Which player has the highest three-point percentage in a single season? Again, which player that qualifies has the highest three-point percentage in a single season? Whoever answers that correctly first on Twitter when I post the question will get a free month of Fan Essentials. Again, this show, the 94 Feet Report, is brought to you by Fan Essentials. I'm your host, as always, Eric Spropolis. You can find me on Twitter, at Eric Spiros. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back next Monday at 10 p.m. on the All-In Sports Talk Radio Network. You can hear us throughout the week. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. Follow the network, all on Sports Talk Radio Network there as well. Thank you once again for joining us on the 94 Feet Report. Take care, everyone. Have a great week.